Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. But if you live by its dictates, the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Let me say that again. You will live. Not maybe, not if, not could be. You will. It shall happen. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I've got a father that'll blow your mind. You may be seated in the presence of God. We've been now here for five weeks. I believe this is our sixth session on the Spirit-filled life. And really wanting to break down a lot of our thoughts on the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, Holy Ghost in the New Testament. But there's so many of us that think of the gift of the Holy Spirit as speaking in another tongue, and that is the evidence, but it is not the purpose. We need the Holy Ghost every day of our life. You're going to need the Holy Spirit at your job. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to stay married. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to raise kids. You're going to need the Holy Spirit not to let your mind go crazy. It is God's Spirit in us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that now quickens and makes alive our mortal bodies. It is living with that Spirit. And so we're not going to play a whole lot of catch-up, but I just want to jump right back into verse 17. And remember the, the last chapter, or the, the last few verses of chapter 8, and we're walking through all 39 verses, and we'll get to, to the mid-20s tonight that all of the most famous verses in Romans chapter 8 are towards the end. But you cannot live in those promises of God unless you are filled with the Spirit of God and you're allowing that Spirit to make decisions and to govern your life every day. Verse 7, this is what the Bible says. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. Aren't you glad that you are not just a servant of God, but you are a son of God? You are a daughter of God. Last week, we talked about heirship. We talked about that for an inheritance to be passed on to an heir, that someone has to die. And that someone was Jesus. And Jesus is the only man on the face of the planet that wrote a will that said he has to die for it to be executed. And so he died. And then three days later, he rose again to enforce and make sure that his children, you and I, receive the inheritance that he died to give us. God's children means that we are God's heirs. Slaves don't get an inheritance. Slaves get a wage. And if you are slaves, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So slaves work for wages in that wages is death. But sons are birthed out of relationship, and the sons and daughters of God have an inheritance that is not only in front of them, but remember, Jesus 2,000 years ago, he already died, and so he died so that we don't have to wait to heaven to get the inheritance, but you get to have the inheritance in November of 2023, and that inheritance is healing, that inheritance is authority, power, anointing, joy, peace, every good and perfect gift from God is in that inheritance. Wages is what we have earned, but inheritance is what God died to give us. 
Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory, of His splendor, of His majesty. The Bible literally calls us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But then it goes on to say, but if we are to share His glory, we must share His suffering. Now, this is something that most preachers would not preach on. They want to get back to verse 28, verses 38 and 39 and verse 31 those popular things that we love to put on the refrigerator. I doubt that anyone has the verse that talks about suffering on their refrigerator. But I'm here to encourage you with this, church. Suffering will not always last. Suffering is you're able to handle the suffering not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. The reason I can handle the suffering of 2023 is because I've got a spirit of God in me that will not let me lay down and will not let the suffering overcome me. And if I could just be plain and brutally honest with us, Christians in the Western world don't really know what suffering is. Suffering is not someone saying something mean to you on Facebook. Suffering is not someone blocking you and your number to where you can't have access to them. Suffering is not somebody treating you bad at work. When you look across the oceans today and you see what is happening in the Middle East, there is real suffering for the people of God. And I'm not here to say that our life is free and our life is easy, but I'm here to say you ought to thank God that you are sitting and standing in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And though she has her problems and we have our problems, I will gladly share in the suffering because he allows me to share in his glory and I have a spirit that is greater, and you have a spirit that is greater than the suffering. When life is not fair, church, God is faithful. I'd rather have faith than have something that is fair. Verse 18, yet while we suffer, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Realize that what you are going through now, the pain, the sacrifice that you are making in 2023, it pales in comparison to the glory that is set before us. Remember, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. While he was on his way to the cross, he was already thinking about resurrection. And I need somebody in the room today that you're going through a season of suffering, There's some glory in front of you, and I promise you, if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, you will outlive the suffering, and you will step into his glory. Verse 18 says he does it to us, not in us, not for us. Some of the prayers need to change for the rest of the year and not be always, God, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for my family. Some of our prayers should be prayed, God, I need you to do this to me. I need you to do something to my mind, to my body, to the way that I'm conducting my life. Verse uh, verse 19, for all of creation is waiting. That all of creation, that's the who. Who is all of creation? That is everybody on the planet. They don't know what they're waiting for, but they're all eagerly waiting for something in the future. They think that that thing is going to come through a political system. They think that thing is going to come through a substance. But I am here to tell you the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It is our job to announce to the world what you are waiting for cannot be found in Washington, cannot be found in Austin, but it can be found anywhere you call on the name of Jesus. 
All of creation is waiting eagerly. Though eagerly is how? Waiting eagerly, not patiently, but eagerly with anticipation, knowing that God is getting ready to do something great. The world is wringing their hands, waiting on the world to end, while the church is raising our hands, waiting on the world to end. One is scared of the end, but we are excited for the end, because the end here is the beginning there. The end here is the beginning of his glory there. And so the spirit-filled life doesn't let the world affect us like it affects everybody else. The spirit-filled life keeps us focused on what he's called us to do here, but also where he has promised to take us from here. What are they waiting on for the future day? That's the win. I've got news for you, church. Your best days are in front of you, not behind you. It doesn't matter if you are nine years old or 99 years of of, of age. If you are still on this earth, God has something great in front of you. God has something great in December. God has something great in 2024. Should he tarry, 2034 is already taken care of. It is in front of you. Quit looking behind at how it used to be. Me and Jeff could sit around talking about, and we'll probably will eventually, talking about the good old days. But you know what's better than the good old days? The great days ahead. And some of us miss the greatness because we're looking at the good. And some of us miss the God because we're looking at the good. But I'm here to tell you the future day, it is in front of us, the greatest day of the church. And what are we waiting on? They're waiting on the what. When God will reveal who his children really are, the Bible says. That can be implied two different ways here. That God is getting ready to show the peop- which people are for real God's children. Because you know everybody that calls him father ain't his child. I thought that preached better on a Wednesday night because we're talking about those Sunday Christians. Everybody that calls him daddy. Everybody that, that says Abba. They're not as shy. They might be servants, but remember, we're no longer servants. We're sons. Now check this out. Sons never quit serving. Sons never quit serving, but servants can live a whole life without ever becoming a son. They live in the house, and they're paid wages, but they never receive an inheritance. Can I talk to the sons and daughters? We never quit serving. We never quit. And can I say that's so so much bigger than Wednesday night and a team at Living Way. Serving God is every day. Serving God is listening to his voice. Sister Tammy told me a, a great story about her granddaughter Zoe, Zoe who's six, six years old. Six years old. And she said every time we pass somebody who is requesting a handout, you know the panhandlers here in San Antonio, she said Zoe's always asking for money to give to them. And, and, and I gave Zoe $10 a couple weeks ago because she made straight A's on her report card and had 100 in her Bible class. And every Wednesday night, she comes from across the road, and I meet her right here, and she tells me her scripture from memory. She's learned 75 scriptures in the last year and a half. But back to my story. She said, Grandma, she said, that lady wants some money. Do you have any money? She said, I spent all of the money Pastor Brandon gave me on makeup. I need your money now. Kids love to spend our money, praise God. 
And she said, I got $5 left from, from, from the restaurant we just ate at. She said, all right, give me that, give me that $5. Can I give it to her? And she, she gave it to her. But before she handed it to the woman, she said, can I pray for you? Six years old. A six-year-old that knows she's a daughter of the king. A six-year-old that doesn't know that most six-year-olds don't do that. A six-year-old that doesn't know that age is just a number. And just like in the, in, the, in the Word of God where Jesus said, no, do not push the children away. He said, let them come to me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can I encourage the sons and daughters today? Can we get a heart like Zoe? Can we get a hand like Zoe? Can we get a spirit? Can we go back to that pure faith and that pure love for Jesus that we will stop after we've bought our makeup and after, after y'all bought your makeup, after we've eaten our food and stop and say, hey, that person needs Jesus. That's a spirit-filled life. Oh, I speak in tongues. Awesome. That's great. But I know some people who speak in tongues that never talk about Jesus. Speak in tongues on Sunday, but they've never served not one day in God's house or out there on the streets. And let me just say it very plainly as a pastor to you today. If you are not serving in his house on a regular basis, I doubt that you are serving on the streets on a regular basis. Because out there they're going to spit in your face sometimes. They're going to cuss you. They're going to get aggressive. And here, at least people will hear you out. I mean, they'll let you lay your hands on them, and they'll roll their eyes, but they won't cuss you out, most likely. Talking about being sons that still serve. So he said that God will reveal who his children really are, who are the the for real God's children, the for real children of God. Number two, it could be implied when he says God will reveal who his children really are, He's going to reveal what his children are really capable of. Can I just tell you that you are more capable than you give yourself credit for? Can I tell you that the devil lies to you every day trying to silence your voice, trying to minimize your influence? But can I remind you that Peter writes that we are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. He wasn't just talking about a group of people that he was in front of. He was talking about as the spirit-filled, fed and led, children of the Most High God. You are chosen by God. You are God's greatest ambassadors. Don't let anybody minimize what God has done in you. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you you're not making a difference because you never know who you're praying for and who you're interceding for and who you're serving and who you are making a deposit in. Could it be the next great pastor of America? is filling up his gas in his car next to you. And you think, man, what, 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 could, what could happen out here at Valero? You don't know what can happen at Valero. You don't know what could happen at HEB. You're the sons of God. Can I remind you what you are really capable of? That you will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Can I remind you that you will step on scorpions? That you will drink things that should have killed you that will not kill you? That you can walk into hospital and entire wards and units get healed? Can I encourage and remind you that the devil has to listen to the authority that we carry as spirit-filled believers? I am here 
here to remind you of what you are really capable of. As a spirit-filled believer, you can do anything. Remember Romans 8 and 15. Just to backtrack, we're slaves no longer. We're sons. We're not living that way any longer. Verse 20, against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. You ever read Adam and Eve's story in Genesis chapter 3 and you get mad at them? Come on, man. Ladies, all of you should be mad at Eve and Adam. It's the reason you had 18 hours of childbirth. It's the reason you had to have a C-section. Because of their decision. However, can I just tell you, if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, the other two they would have put in the garden would have. Because the flesh can't help itself. And when God says, do not do this, and then the enemy comes in and says, oh, God just doesn't want you to be like him. Go ahead and eat that one fruit. Go ahead and take one bite. Can I tell you that your flesh without the spirit of God can never make the right decision over and over and over again. It is eventually going to slip. However, now that we have the spirit of God, not only in us, but it has filled our life. Now you have a reason and now you have a way to wake up and remind the devil I'm not Adam and I'm not Eve I was born after the cross I've been to the cross I've been to the Jordan River to be baptized and I've been filled with his spirit I am not Adam I am not Eve you are if you haven't been filled with his spirit you say well pastor I come to church the problem is see anybody with a pornography addiction Hasn't looked at pornography since you've been in here. Which, number one, and, and this is kind of a weird illustration to use here. Number one, it means you can control it. When you're in the right place, around the right people. Which means if you can't control it, when you're by yourself, you're the wrong people. Okay, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about your addiction. I don't think anybody, unless you brought it in a living way cup, I don't think anybody's taking shots of vodka or tequila in here. Which proves to us that where you're at and who you're with, you can't control it. But you can leave here and go to happy hour. You can go down to the bar. You, can, you might get in your car. It might be up under the seat, and you just take a big swig of the. What does that mean? You're the wrong people. You and I will always be wrong until we get filled with his spirit. Am I talking to myself tonight? It was the comedian who said, I could do bad all by myself. Oh, he stole that line because Adam and Eve were doing all bad by themselves before there was anybody else on the earth. But I am here to tell you, it is the Holy Spirit of God that keeps me on the right path. It is the Holy Spirit of God that tells me to hush sometimes. It is the Holy Spirit of God that gives me the words to say sometimes. It is the Holy Spirit of God that says, don't go down that road. Close that browser. Don't talk to them. Don't go over here. What? That's a spirit filled life more than speaking in tongues God sometimes says stop shut up what are you doing that's going to mess up your tomorrow 
And my discernment allows me to either shut that voice down or embrace that voice and say, God, I'm so thankful that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that when I could do wrong, I don't do wrong. When I want to do wrong, something is holding me back. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope. Somebody say hope. Our our whole theme this year is keep your hopes up. I got three minutes left. Hope and anticipation, hope that is building. My hope for this year and my hope for the continuation of this year into next and the next year and the next decade is that Living Way will be heralded as a house of faith, as a house of hope, as a house of worship. But I want us to be a house of the Spirit of God. I want us to be so spirit-filled that we're getting reports of people being healed while they're out there at the T-shirt rack. That they're getting healed in, in the second line, parking spot eight. They just came out, and a parking lot attendant shook their hand, and they didn't know that that parking lot attendant is full of the Holy Spirit of God. I want the worship to be so spirit-filled and spirit-led that when this team begins to sing and all of heaven opens up, that people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are being, people are being delivered from demonic oppression and possession. People are receiving all over the house. Wouldn't it be awesome that we don't have to preach for 35 minutes, but we can worship for 15 minutes and we can share a few testimonies and the presence of God and the spirit of God. That's the hope that what is in us is greater than anything in front of us. Anything that comes against us. Verse 21, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Can can I just preach about heaven for 20 seconds, 30 seconds? You think the presence of God in this house is something? You haven't seen anything yet. Because when we shed these bodies and we shed these shells, when we shed the things that can hurt us, the death and decay, when we shed the thoughts of wars and rumors of wars, when we shed what happened to us before we walked in this building, we haven't yet worshipped like we're going, going to worship in glory. We haven't yet, listen, praised God like we're going to praise God when we get rid of all of this stuff and it's no longer the spirit having to crucify the flesh, but the decay and the all of the death of this flesh is no longer and we can all sing like this team and we can all worship it's going to be an amazing day in heaven and there's so many times I've heard people say well what are we going to do for the rest of our lives oh we're going to live the good life in a place where the spirit of God is not just kept in a body we are saturated in his presence saturated in his spirit but I love God because God said you don't have to wait until then I'm going to give you my spirit it now without measure. As much as you want, you can get it. As much as you need, you can get it. Verse 22, let's go just a little further. For we know that all of creation, this is where I've been wanting to get to the last two weeks. For we know that all of creation has been groaning, groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up until the present time that we're in. 
I remember being in that room with Mandy for 16 hours when she had a, that big headed boy right over there. And it's 16 hours. They said, you're not progressing at all. We're going to have to go in and do a C-section. But before the C-section, 16 hours of growing. Because what she was carrying, it hurt her to birth that thing. Can I encourage somebody today, and I just want to speak. Lord, saturate my words with your Holy Spirit right now. That some of the pain we've been trying to avoid is birthing pain. It's not pain that's going to kill you. It is pain that is going to bring the next season of life into your family and into you. That's a good place to say amen. Some of the hurt you've been saying, God, you've got to take this away. And God's saying, no, 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 no. My glory is in front of you. There's something that you're getting ready to birth. You know that thing you prayed for during COVID? He said that thing is finally getting ready to birth after 36 months. We're getting ready to bring it, bring it to pass. But there's going to be a little pain. And go ahead and groan if you need to. Moan if you need to. Let, let that that, that primal cry out because you've got to announce to everybody I'm getting ready to bring into existence what God has shown me in my spirit, in my vision, and in my